God has declared and spoken a purpose over you, your life. Do you believe that? Yes. How many of you believe that God has an incredible sense of humor? As I was preparing my message uh, today, God reminded me of, of a story that my wife likes when I tell it because it ends up with me getting hurt. And so I want to tell this story about uh, my first crush. Anybody remember their first crush? My first crush, her name was Shannon. And Shannon was, it was my older sister, sister Jillian's friend. And they were probably five years older than me. And I, I was maybe nine or ten at this time. So they're 14, 15 years old. And Shannon and my sister are um, like just sitting on our play set, just talking and doing whatever. And I'm riding my bike. And I had set up these jumps in, in the driveway in the hopes that I would really impress Shannon with my sweet moves. And so... I'm riding my bike around, you know, doing anything that I can do to get Shannon's attention. And she's not really moved by what I'm doing, so I, gotta, I have to step up my game. And so, you know, I, I grab my bike and I, I kind of just ride up to them real fast. And I do like the side swipe thing, you know, when you're little, you go, you know, like that. And I, so I just ride really fast. I'm like, hey, what's up, Shannon? You know, how's it going? And, uh, you know, trying to play it real cool. And uh, I, I just got this brilliant idea all of a sudden. And I just grabbed my bike and I was like, hey, Shannon, watch this. And I just started pedaling as fast as I could. And the whole time I'm looking back at Shannon, you know, making sure that she's watching what I'm doing. And I get to the end of my driveway and I hit this jump and I'm looking back. And then all of a sudden I look forward and I realize that there's a car coming down the road. And I run right into the side of this car. The driver's not paying attention. And it throws me off the bike, over the hood, onto the other side of the road. And the worst part about it is, as I was getting hit, the bike somehow hit my man parts. I can't say this any other way, Pastor. It hit my man parts. And... I landed on the other side, and so I was rolling around on the ground. And then to top it off, my grandfather comes running out of, out of nowhere, and he sees that I'm holding myself, and he picks me up, and he rips my pants down in front of everybody. Shannon, my sister, the driver, and just to make sure that everything is okay, and everything's fine, but... I'm just like, come on, Grandpa, you know, give me a chance here. Needless to say, it never worked out with Shannon. <sighs> but it, as, as funny as the story is, and I love telling the story, and Olivia loves when, when I tell the story, it is a parable of my life. Because... I never cared to think about where I was going, where I was going, or where I was headed in life. I was too busy trying to impress the world around me. I was too busy just chasing worldly things, wanting praise from the world. And I never, ever realized where I was headed. I work with young people, with high school students, 
And I can tell you that 99% of students don't know what their purpose is in life. They have no idea where they're going. They have no direction. Most young people can't even fathom what is beyond the device they're holding in their hand. I mean, they have Snapchat and house party and all this stuff that they're on all the time on their phones, but they, they don't realize that there's a whole real world out here. But when I think about this, think about how sad it is when people don't know their purpose in life, when they don't know what God has spoken over their life. And if I asked you today, what is your purpose? What is your God-given purpose and mission in life? Could you tell me? Just like you wouldn't live life Excuse me, just like you wouldn't shoot at a target wearing a blindfold, you shouldn't go through life not understanding the God-giving call and purpose upon your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I've had the pleasure of holding three newborn baby girls in the last seven years. They're my nieces. They're not mine. Um, so I get to do all the fun stuff and they can just go home. Uh, but there's just something about incredible about holding a newborn baby. They're, they're full of joy. They're full of hope in this newness of life. But the most beautiful thing about it is every time that I hold one of these little girls, I think about the beauty of potential. And all that I want to do is prepare them. Because someday, their chance will come. And I don't know about you, but I want them to be bigger, to be better, and to be stronger than I could ever dream or imagine. The floor, I want my dreams to be the floor that they stand on. And if this is how I feel toward these little girls... How much greater is God's love and passion for these little ones? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The word said there in the Hebrew is the word amer. And it means to command, to call, and to declare. And so A literal translation of this can be, and God declared light be and light was. And he saw that it was good. The Hebrew word for good here is the word tov, which means good, gracious, loving, joyful, kind, glad, happy, precious, and beautiful. And so Genesis could read like this, and God declared light be and light was, and he saw that it was good, gracious, Joyful, loving, kind, glad, happy, precious, and beautiful. 
he saw that it was good and he was glad and he rejoiced. See, Genesis is all about God's declaration and intention of purpose toward you and I. We were designed and created to live in the joyful, loving, kind, precious, beautiful goodness of God. St. Augustine said it like this, to love God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure. And to know him is the greatest human achievement. See, Genesis is, is this incredible love story where God is literally pouring out his dreams and his passion and his love and the goodness of who he is, and he is declaring it to all of us. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God formed and God breathed himself into our lungs. And he's saying, what is mine and who I am? I'm declaring to you in you and through you. Jesus confirmed this very declaration in John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus says this, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. All that the Father has, he has declared to you and I. Do you believe that, church? Yes. In hearing that, just imagine what the world would be like if each of us did exactly what we could do. Anything. Anything and everything. Imagine what the church would be like if we literally took God at his word and said, I can do all things. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before... You were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. We are God's dream. We are God's creative thought. And we are God's one true love. Yes. But much like many romance stories go, things got complicated. And it wasn't God who changed, it was us. See, God had declared all of this over man, but then all of a sudden Adam and Eve began to ignore God and they were listening to a different declaration. The serpent was telling them, God is lying to you. He hasn't given you everything that you desire. What you desire is more important than what God has said. And then once Adam and Eve believed that what they desired was more important than God's word, they produced sin in their own life. And it pushed God away. It pushed every declaration, every good thing, every promise that God had spoken over life, it pushed him away and you can see the declaration that Adam made back to God when God asked him where are you and he said I hid from you because I'm ashamed and I am naked and God said who declared you naked 
You could easily say the devil did, but it wasn't. Adam did. He declared himself naked. There's two things I want us to take from this. The first thing is this. What we believe is what we will produce. And everything that we produce is making a declaration about who we are and who God is. The second thing I want us to take from this is that beyond deception, Satan has no creative ability. He cannot create or touch the physical world. He's got none of that in him. The only thing that he can do is father lies. John 8, 44 says this, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and a father and the father of lies. John 10, 10 says that he's a thief, that he comes to kill steal and destroy. Jesus said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly. Yes. He is the father of lies and he comes to steal, kill and destroy the dreams, the passions, the gifts and the opportunities that God has foreordained for our life. And he desires to snatch the very life from our soul. Here's the thing about lies that we need to understand is that they repel the truth of God. And the opposite of true, the truth of God will repel the lies of the enemy. Our greatest downfall in life is that we don't believe God when he says that he believes in us. The lies that we believe equal the limiters to what we can achieve. And we've we've got a lot of excuses I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. God would never do that for me. I don't deserve it. God doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. You'd be surprised how many young people believe that God could not love them and does not care. If I only, I will when I. When what? If, I really, if you really wanted change, I mean, if you really wanted it, you would do something about it. I want to make something very clear. God desperately loves you, and he has given you everything that you need for, for a life of godliness. But here is the hard truth. We are either making progress or we are making excuses. When the, when the scribes and, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders came to Jesus and they asked him, how do we know that we're doing the good works that God wants us to do? Jesus says this, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. That word believe in the Greek means that every single aspect and part of your life would be committed to God and bent toward his purposes and will. Everything. What we believe is what we will produce. And if we truly want to do the work that God has foreordained and anointed upon our lives, we have to believe 
in the fullness of the completion of what Jesus Christ has done. Ephesians chapter 1 says, And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. What we produce is what we declare. And everything that we produce is making a declaration about who we are and who God is. It is either making a declaration about the dreams and the visions and the gifts that God has declared and anointed our lives with, or it is making a declaration of dead works and self-service. It is either making a declaration about the glory of the kingdom of God, or it is making a declaration about a crumbling kingdom and a defeated prince. The lies that we believe equal the limiters to what we can achieve. The two most important days of our life are the day that we are born and the day we discover why. My senior year in high school, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I, grew, when I got older. And so my guidance counselor sat me down at a computer and showed me this computer program that was supposed to magically tell me what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And so I just took this test and I was going through all these occupations and I'm like, this is what, I, this is what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life? <laughs> like, what is this? You people are crazy. And the funny thing about that is, as young people, we, we don't really think about the work that we're gonna do when we get older. You know, we just dream about what kind of car we're gonna drive. Or, man, I'm going to live in this huge mansion in California and Malibu, and it's going to be awesome and amazing. And we just think about how much money we're going to make. We don't think about what we're actually going to do. And, see, this is really sad because what happens is suddenly we're pushed out into the real world and we come to realize that life isn't Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. Your golden ticket's not just going to show up one day, it's not, and everything's going to be magically awesome. That's not how it happens. See, we have a consumer problem in the United States. We're the largest consumer in the world. And even in the church, we come and we hear God's glorious word and and the fullness of it. And we consume, 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 and we consume. We hear, and we hear, and we hear, but we never produce. You know, it's the same thing that the Israelites, or excuse me, the, the Egyptians did to the Israelites. Make bricks, make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. Look at the back of a $1 bill. What's on there? It's a pyramid. Make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. And when they wanted to go worship their God, let's double the load, double the bricks, double the bricks, double the bricks. See, we make these huge plans for our life, and then all of a sudden we find out that the world is cruel, it's cynical, and it cares nothing for your dreams. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Most of the time in our life, if we're completely honest, we're, we're on the defensive. 
for most of my life, it, it was a shoot from the hip mentality, no matter what I was facing. Living month to month, paycheck to paycheck. If my car broke down or the, or the laundry machine took a dump, my whole world was in shambles. This is exactly where the enemy wants us to be. Where one little thing can bring our whole kingdom crashing down. Satan, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, Satan, who is the God of the world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Here's, here's what we need to come to realize is that the devil can't stop the purpose that God has called on your life. But he can't stop you from discovering it by blinding your mind with unbelief. I'm the kind of person that believes that your dreams should be so big that if you told people, they would laugh at you. Because that's how big my God is. When we tell people about our God that don't believe in him, what do they do? They laugh at us. Because they don't understand, they can't see, their minds are blinded. He doesn't want us to know the plans and the purposes that, that God has declared over us because once we catch the vision, once the dream flames up inside of us, once the creative power of God lives in us and we grab hold of it, there is nothing that we can't do. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, and Jesus looked at them intently and he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, Everything is possible. When you don't live life with purpose, working towards something that is God-born, we become chained to all kinds of things that we never intended for our life. See, we end up working jobs that we hate, with degrees that we don't use. We make poor decisions mentally, physically, and spiritually. We have financial problems. We have marital problems. We have alcohol and substance abuse. Apart from God's purpose, we can feel lost, worthless, and depressed and living in life that we never wanted. And on and on and on the list can go. I believe that most people never pursue the why of their life because they're too busy giving their heart to the world and to their own desires. It's exactly what, the, what Egypt did to the children of Israel. Make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. When I was 19 years old, I decided to make some bricks of my own. And I decided I was going to go to college in San Francisco, California. And so at 19 years old, I flew 3,000 miles across the country. I enrolled in school. And I lived the college life. I partied up. I had a good time. I lived exactly the way that the world that you're supposed to live as a college student. You're supposed to have the time of your life. But secretly, I was as lost as ever. One night, as I was partying with my friends. I, I was drunk. I was high. I was on all kinds of things. 
I remember going into my, into my bedroom and I just remember thinking that, man, I don't feel right. And I remember that my heart was, was just beating out of control and I was sweating. My shirt was soaked. And I remember I, I told my friend, I was like, I don't, I don't feel right. And I began to get nervous. And so I, I got to the point where I actually asked my friend to take me to the hospital. So he took, takes me to the hospital and you know, I, I don't want to go in because I don't want to walk in there and everyone's looking at this kid that's, you know, possibly overdosing on something or just freaking out. I don't know. And so I just sat there in the parking lot and I said, look, if, if anything happens to me, just, just drag me in there. And we sat there for six hours until I finally felt calm enough to go home. When, we, when I got home, I, I remember laying in bed and I was still nervous. I still didn't know what was going to happen. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? And I remember thinking to myself, what if I died right now? What if I went to sleep and I didn't wake up? What would my life have said? What would my life have declared to the world? And it was like all the dreams, all the talents, all the gifts, all the abilities and the calling that God had in my life was standing right in front of me. And they were saying, we came to you. We came to you and only you could have given us life. Put yourself in my shoes and I want to ask you, if right now, if today you breathed your last, what dreams, what passions, what gifts, what abilities, what opportunities has God given you in your life that would die with you? What we believe is what we produce. And I remember sitting there and saying, to myself, is this all that there is? And at the moment, I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with God. The only reason I knew even to turn to God is because I had people in my life that were praying for me, that were always coming after me, that were always, and I was just rejecting. But I said, God, if, you, if you're real, I, I don't, I need you. I need you right now because I feel empty. And you know what God said to me? He said, Jeff, if you died right now, you would go to hell. And that may sound brimstone and fire to you, but the truth is I agreed with him. It was done in such a loving way. When I felt the presence of God, it was so loving and so overwhelming that I just said, God, I want to be right with you. I don't, I don't want to live apart from you. I want to know you. And I turned on the radio and it was some lame R&B station. I think like Usher or something was singing on it. But it was so soothing. And I just went right to bed and I woke up in the morning. And I remember the first thing I did when I got up was I just sprinted to a church. The doors were locked, but I just got up and I ran to this church. I'm like, I got to get in a church. But the meaning of this story is that in the morning, I ran to him. I was running to him. 
You see, each of us is born with this God-given desire to do something extraordinary with our lives. And it's too good and it's too joyful and it's too precious and it's too beautiful for us to ignore. But the reality is, is that unless our dreams are bigger than ourselves, we will only end up serving ourselves. In life, you have to have purpose because if you don't have purpose, then who are you really? If you are unsure about what God's plans and purposes are for your life, I want to give you a few things that I think will do miracles in your life. I want to give you four things. The first thing is this, to seek God. Matthew 6, 33 says this, but seek God, or see, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Now, this is something that we hear all the time. Preachers beat it and beat it and they beat it into us and they do it, why? Because they are tested, they are tried and they are true. Seek God, pray, read the word, get alone with him. Push your schedule away. Push away the brick making and make time for him. Because unless you want to continue to live life right where you're at right now, unless you want to stay right there, you better do something different. You better make time for him. And the reason that we seek him it's because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans. Who knows them? God knows them. I don't know the plans for your life. You don't know the plans for my life. The world doesn't know the plans for your life. Only God knows. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the yes. Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Yes. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, people will ask me all the time, Jeff, how, how can I change my life? I want to live a, lot, a better life. I want to get right with God. I want to know God. I want to know God like you know him. And I tell them to do these things, and they act like I just kicked their dog. <laughs> but you know what God said to me? God said this. He said, people respect the results, but they don't respect the process. They respect the results, but they don't respect the process. You see, he said, everybody wants to be in the glow of success. But not everybody will fight with you in the trenches. Not everybody's willing to fight in the trenches. The second thing is this, hear and obey. When they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, Shumei Yisrael, Yehovah Elohim, Yehovah Ha." which means here, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The word here in the Hebrew is the word Shema. And it, it means so much more than just, just a vibrating of your eardrums. You see, what we need to understand about the Hebrew, Hebrew language is that it is, it is word poor. And what I mean by that is there's only about 7,000 words in the Hebrew language. And if you compare that to the English language, there are over 400,000 words. And so every word that is written in the, in the Old Testament in its original Hebrew 
every word that God used is like an overstuffed suitcase with meaning. It is just exploding with all kinds of things that God is declaring over your life. And the word hear right there means that you would not only hear, that it would not only come into you, into you and you would hear, but you would believe. You would hear, you would believe, and it would cause you to action. The word hear was an action word. Jesus said, hear, O Israel. Take action, O Israel. The Lord God, the Lord is one. As I said earlier, we have a, a, a consumer problem. We consume, we consume, we consume, but we don't produce. In the book of James chapter one, it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Take care of for you don't deceive yourselves. And James chapter two says that faith without works is dead. Just as the body apart from the spirit is dead and useless, faith apart from works is dead. And God says in, in James, those who do their works will be blessed. God blesses the doer. So hear and obey God's word. Don't just listen, don't just consume, but produce and work it in your life. What you believe is what you produce. Love God and love people. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And no other commandment is greater than than these. If you wanna know for sure that your purpose, that your dream, that your vision is from God, it will have two key elements. An unrelenting love for people yeah. and an unwavering loyalty to God. Yes. This verse here is something that Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it is all the, the declarations that Moses was giving to, to Joshua and the next generation that was going to go into the promised land and take it. And Moses said, God is, is telling you three scriptures that you must recite to yourself when you wake up, when you rise, and before you go to sleep at night. Recite these three things and think about them as you go through the day. Talk about them with your children as you sit at the table. Wrap them around your arm as if you were wearing them all day long. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your your neighbor as yourself. What we need to realize is that your dream is not about you. It's bigger than you. It's always about leading and attracting others to the kingdom of God pointing others to Jesus. The final thing is this. We've got to learn to declare our purpose. In Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he makes a declaration over her. He says, behold, you will bear a child in your womb. You'll conceive a child in your womb. And he will be called blessed. And he will be the son of the most high God. And what did Mary say? How in the world is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin and I'm not married. 
And Gabriel said to Mary, he said, the spirit of God is gonna come upon you. And he will anoint your life for this very purpose. And what was Mary's response? I am the servant of the Lord. And just as, as you have said, so it will be to me. So it will be to me. And Mary produced the child. Do you think Mary would have ever produced that child had God not come to her? Had God not come with a message? What you, be, what you believe is what you will produce. And you can go on after, after Mary goes and, and visits Elizabeth. And what, is, what does Mary do? She makes a song of declar, declaration about the glory of God. Loving God, loving people, declaring your purpose. Each of us has to have what I would call identity verses. And these are things that when God starts to stir up a dream or a vision inside of you, he will always give you a verse that has a specific purpose for your life. And if God has given you a dream or a vision, or you've had a dream or a vision, and you don't have a scripture verse, you need to start asking. Because if you don't have a verse, I would highly question whether or not that dream or passion or vision is from God. You've got to have scripture to confirm it. God needs to confirm. One of the scripture verses that I speak over myself is Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. You see, when you have a dream, when you have a passion, when you have something you know God is calling you to do, the enemy's gonna be right there telling me, telling you, you can't do that. God hasn't called you to do that. That's not right. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You can't speak clearly enough. People aren't gonna understand what you're trying to say. God is always trying to rob me of that, especially the night before I preach or the minute before I step on stage. God is trying to rip and strip that dream that God has foreordained over my life. And just as lies repel the truth of God, the truth of God will repel the lies. And I've got to speak that self that over to me. This morning, I did nothing but speak this verse over myself. Because through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to set people free, to recover, for people who are blind to recover their sight and to see the kingdom of God. You know, one of the things that Olivia and I strongly believe in his tithe. There is nothing that could, that could ever shake me from believing in tithe. Malachi 3.10 says that we should test God in this very thing. He says, bring your full tithes to the house and test me and see if I do not bless you. Test me and see if you're not better off. When I started tithing seven years ago, it was hard. I was broke. And it was, it was foolish. It felt foolish to give God 10%. I'm like, I, gotta, I have all these bills to pay. I can tell you that right now, I tithe more in one month than I did in a year at that time. And it's nothing that I did. 
People might call it luck. I call it the word of God. We've got to de- declare our purpose. We've got to speak what God is, is declaring over our lives. This is the power of, de- of declaration. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. What you believe is what you produce. And what you produce is what you believe. And what you believe is making a declaration about who you are and who God is. In 1929, Edwin Hubble discovered that what's known as the red shift. And that's just a fancy way of saying that he discovered that everything in the universe was constantly expanding at all times at the same rate and in the same direction. And it completely shattered the theory that scientists had that the universe was eternal and had always been. The evidence that was brought forth led scientists to declare that at one time, the universe was one single point. And then something happened. They call it the Big Bang Theory. I call it God. Let there be light. And it is an unstoppable force. It is constantly moving and expanding and there is nothing in this universe that can stop it, that can shake it, or that that can reverse the plans and purposes that God has foreordained for the world. It is unstoppable. And if you get in agreement with what God has spoken over your life, you will be unstoppable. When Mary asked The angel, Gabriel, how will this be? Do you know what the angel said to her? Nothing is impossible for God. He can put a baby in your womb, and he can take Elizabeth's barren womb, and he can put a life in there as well. God has a habit of speaking life into dead things, things that do not exist, and making them exist. This is our God. This is our creator. When God formed us from the dust of the ground, he breathed his, his spirit into us. He said, I made you in my likeness. He said, I made you to be like me, and I am a creator, and I created you to create, so create. Go and produce. Don't be hearers of the word only. Be producers. There is nothing impossible for you. Here's what we need to understand. This is the last thing. That coming to know Jesus is not about modifying our behavior to please him. Coming to know Jesus is about allowing God, the creator of the universe, the one who fashioned the stars, the one who created the mountains and the oceans and the rivers and the valleys and the beautiful fields of grain that we see. This is the God. Who has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's about coming to know that God and allowing him to transform your soul into the likeness of who he is. I think a lot of times we think about all the things we're going to have to give up, the drinking, the partying, and the pleasure. But when we give it up, when God sees us truly worshiping him with all that we are and everything we have and everything abandoned, 
God says, it's, not, it's no longer about you worshiping me. It's about you being totally set free. I'd like all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're sitting here today, and you would say to me, Jeff, I have no idea what my purpose is in life. I have no idea what God has spoken over my life. I don't know what my dreams or my passions are. I don't know if if I believe that God can do all things, but I know that God is calling me. God is calling me. God is calling me. If you're sitting here today, and you would say to me, Jeff, my life is not right with God, and I know it's not right. But I want to make it right. If that's you, all I want you to do is make eye contact with me. anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Will you stand with me for these six people? Stand with me with with these six people. And I just want you, I want us all to just say this all aloud, all together. God, today I want to come to you. I know I've done things in my life that have pushed you away from me. Things I know I should not have done. God, today I want to turn from those things. I want to give my life to you. God, I believe that Jesus is Lord, that he gave his life for me to forgive my sin. Thank you, God, for making me a child of God. Thank you. Thank you. Last thing I want to do is just put your hands on your head right now. I just want to make a declaration over you. Father God, no, you don't, sorry, you don't have to, you don't have to say it with me. I just want to speak this over you. God, I just pray for every single person that is in here, that they would come to know and understand the greatness of who you are and how big you are, that you are bigger and better than we could ever dream or hope or imagine, and that you have spoken a plan and a purpose over our life. There are plans for good. God, help us come to know that you are all good. You are all love. You are all hope. You are all joy. You are everything good, and there is nothing bad about you. Father God, I pray for each and every one of these people that in the coming hour, when they leave this place, that dreams and visions and hopes would rise within them. It would begin stirring that God, you would begin to speak your creative ability into them and people who believe that they would have never been creative, 
people that believe that you could never use them for anything, people that have believed that they will never get healed, people that have believed that they will never overcome the, the problems that they're facing, whether it's in their marriage or at work or whatever is happening, God, that you would begin to minister to them that believing that things are not gonna change is a foolish thought for a Christian. God, just as the power of the universe is expanding at all times and in all, in all ways, so too are you moving and nothing can reverse it and revoke what you have said. Lord, I declare this over their lives and I anoint them for the purposes that you have placed upon their lives. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Excellent. Go ahead and give the Lord a good hand. Amen. Good word. Wow. Amen.